All right, fantastic. So let us start with a word of prayer. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful. Uh, you've been so kind to us. You've been so merciful. This month of September has been an amazing month uh, so far, and we are grateful to you. We ask, dear Lord, that you grant us insight into your word. Open the eyes of our hearts. Grant us revelation and wisdom from your word in the name of Jesus Christ. Teach us uh, even the things that are that are coming from your spirit this moment. I ask for all trans to speak your word with power, with simplicity, and in truth, just as Jesus Christ would have spoken it if he was right here with us on earth in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the release of your spirit be upon this uh, teaching that wherever to be heard, uh, the impact will be the same in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. Um, yeah, good evening, everybody. I mean, it's evening here. Um, or good day, let me see. Good day, everyone. Uh, and those for those of us that will be watching this on YouTube, I want to say uh, welcome. Welcome to our community. Check the comments. Uh, sorry, check the description, I mean, uh, for links to join our community and, you know, to see other things that we're doing. And please like and subscribe this video right about now as you're listening to it. Um, thank you. Okay, we're going to start, a, we're looking at the topic, test all things, but I just wanted to backtrack again to what we started looking at last week and then uh, build it up into today's conversation. So last week we looked at uh, at rejoicing, we looked at the joy of the Lord and we started, well, it's a series of uh, conversation around guidelines for Christian um for Christian living, yes, that's what we call the guideline guidelines for Christian living. And our anchor scripture, which I want us to still read today, is First Thessalonians chapter five, from verse uh, sixteen. <clears throat> we'll just start reading from verse sixteen, uh, and it says First Thessalonians chapter five, verse sixteen. It says, "Rejoice evermore," and that's where we took yesterday's, uh, sorry, last week's um, anchor text from. It says rejoice always. You know, that's how the translation puts it. Rejoice always or rejoice evermore. And that's essentially what we explored the whole of last week. We talked about what, why rejoicing is important, um, how that heaven recognizes our, recognizes or rather the way the believers are recognized is by their rejoicing. And then we went further to talk about uh, the sacrifice and how every sacrifice releases an incense or a fragrance before God. And then how heaven recognizes us by fragrance. So we we talked about all of that. And please, if you were not here last week or you haven't listened to it, I really encourage you to do so. Uh, it was a very important uh, teaching we did. But today, let's we're going further, all right? Uh, so let's go further in our reading. Uh, verse 17 of First Thessalonians. It says, so verse 16 says, rejoice evermore. Verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. 18 says, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Verse 19 says, quench not the spirit. So you can see that Paul is giving uh, what, what, what I'll call snipers, right? Just uh, dropping instructions for us to live by. Um, and verse 20 says, no, 19 again says, quench not the spirit. Verse 20 says, despise not prophesying. And verse 21, which is the anchor text, says, prove all things or test all things. Hold fast 
that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. And then verse 23 says, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, now, I know for this particular series, we, we are not following the reading sequentially like I normally would uh, would love to do. But I just wanted to highlight what, um, what I believe the Holy Ghost was emphasizing in my spirit. And it has been um, since last week and even before that, it's just been a conversation that has been ongoing in my heart. So I, I believe strongly that Holy, the Holy Ghost wants us to uh, explore this conversation today. So our <clears throat> anchor text is prove all things. That's verse 21, sorry. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. I, I want to read this just from the New King James Version because it's sort of, um, I don't use the word dilutes, but it's, simplifies yes that's the word simplifies what we what uh the old king james says here so it says test all things all right that's new king james version he says test all things and the reason why we have to test all things is because um there has to be some quality control or in 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 terms of what we receive uh and this suggests to us that there would be counterfeits. There would be uh, adulterated products. There would be uh, fake, all right? So there has to be testing. You don't just go to the market and buy anything anyone uh, puts on, on, the, on the shelf or, you know, advertises to you. You have to check for what is original, especially if you are in a heavily unregulated market, um, you know, like what we have in Nigeria. You have to be sure you are buying what is original, and so you have to know how to test it. Okay, you need to know how to check things. I mean, let me just even use to um, to today as an example. Um, as right now, you know, I believe the was the uh, Apple event is going on, so they are releasing a new phone or a new iPhone and new 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 stuff, right? Um. If you just go to the market and let me, because I'm in Nigeria, let me use Nigeria as an example. If you just go to the market and you say you want to buy a phone from just anybody, if you don't know how to check for the original phone, you may end up with, I know this is funny, but if you express it, it's not funny. You may end up with an another device that just has an Apple logo on it, all right? If you don't know how to test things, if you don't know how to check it. And I'm laughing because I have been a victim of this very thing I'm explain, I'm saying to you. Um, and everything looks looks okay. The cameras, the logo, everything looked okay until you put on the phone and then you realize that you have just been duped. So I'm saying that we need to test because there's a possibility of counterfeits. That's my point. That that's why God instructs us to test all things. So he says, test all things and then hold fast to what is good. So when, when you have tested and it passes the test, hold on to it. It's almost like saying, if you can lay hold on the original, please don't let it go because there are more counterfeits than, than their originals, okay? So he says, test all things. And the word test here means to prove or to discern um, or to identify that which is good. So it says, subject everything you experience through a test. Subject everything. And again, this suggests to us that you we don't just take anything we hear or take anything we experience or whatever system we're in, we don't just absorb it 
and everything that they deliver to us because we are of a different kingdom and we need to check and test to see if the things we're about to entertain or even absorb is consistent with the guidelines of the kingdom that we belong to. So we have to test all things. And this places responsibility on us. This is an exercise that would require effort on our part. So the Bible says, test all things, test it. Don't just accept anything anyone says to you, no matter how fine sounding it may be. The Bible says, test it. Don't just adopt the systems that you encounter because they look very organized. Not every organized system is of God. Okay. The devil runs a very organized system, even in the realm of the spirit. So you must test things. Okay. The fact that someone comes with an appearance of excellence doesn't mean that excellence is, is birthed from God because even the enemy disguises himself as an angel of light. So test all things. The fact that someone comes with a very fine sounding philosophical um, comment or statement doesn't mean that idea is sponsored by God. You have to test all things. I mean, they're all around the world, you know, things are just going on. And there are people that come up to come and say, um, if God is a God of love, then God will accept everyone the way they are. God doesn't reject you. God doesn't, you know, um, doesn't refrain you and all of that. And it sounds so con convenient, but it is not biblical. Okay. So you must test all things. We must test all things. I believe that more than ever before, we're in a generation that you cannot live without discernment. You cannot just accept it. You really desire to be a true believer and to represent the kingdom of God. You can't live without discernment. So the Bible says, test all things. And it's not going to get better. I don't I don't think it's going to get uh, um, better as the years go by. It, it would increase, okay? And so the level of discernment that is required on our part would also need to increase. So the Bible says we should test all things, test all things. And I just want to um, um, support this, our anchor text with another scripture from 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Um, before I read this, I just want to say that for this conversation, I really will take my time. So if you see me emphasizing um, certain things, it's not because I, I don't know what next to say, but I really, really and strongly believe that God wants us to grow in our discernment. You know, the Bible says that strong meat belongs to those who, by reason of use, have exercised them, their senses to discern both good and evil. So one of the evidences of maturity, and, and I said this like several weeks ago, is one of the evidences of maturity is the ability to discern. And God wants us to grow in that discernment. God wants us to, to, to be strengthened in our ability to differentiate what is his and what isn't. Because more and more, the enemy is fine-tuning his ability to counterfeit the original and to present it in such alluring manners that it would require spiritual dis discipline um, and discernment to distinguish what is demonic from what is divine. Okay. So we must grow in our discernment. We must grow in our ability to highlight what is of God and what is not. So first John chapter four, verse one. The, oh my God. The Bible says, look how the Bible says. It says, beloved, do not believe every spirit. And if you read the previous verse, you, you see the, um, the, the progression of the thought. But he comes to chapter, chapter four, verse one and says, don't believe every spirit. Now the question is, where am I going to see the spirits to believe? 
Okay, and the reason why he says don't believe every spirit is because everything you see in the world is an expression of a spirit. So whereas you might see somebody talking and promoting an idea, or you might see a group of people supporting a concept or supporting a, a, a certain school of thought or a certain philosophy, what Apostle John is telling us that it's a spirit that is behind these people sponsoring this. Whereas you might go into a system, okay, maybe it's a system at in an office or or in a country or in a family or in a, in a county or in a region, you might see a system that supports a way of life or even sponsors a way of life. And then you are wondering, what, where is the spirit or how, how what's going on here? It's a spirit that is behind that system. So when Apostle John says, don't believe every spirit, he's saying don't believe every spirit and every expression of that spirit, whether it is through a human being or through a system or through an organization or through a family, whatever medium the spirit uses to express itself don't just believe every spirit so don't believe that you have to live in a certain way um because that is what this the system you know makes makes available to you don't believe every spirit you know just yesterday my wife and i were where we, we we had to go they take a look at some things and one of the the guy that was with us you know was driving us and he was just talking about oh how that he works if i he was saying this to me um, personally much later how that he works from monday to sunday that he doesn't rest he works every single day and i'm and if you ask him why is he working every day it's, uh, you know uh, we have to hustle now you know this this lagos where we did you must you know you have to hustle to make the money and that is a system and it is a spirit that is sponsoring that system of quote-unquote hustling Okay, a system that does not accommodate even physical rest, let alone spiritual rejuvenation. That is a system. And Apostle John says, don't believe every spirit because there's a spirit that sponsors the system, the system of hustling, waking up by 4 a.m., sleeping, going to bed by 12 midnight, and then go continuous cycle for food to eat, and your life is wasted. And at the end of your life, you can't tell what tangible contribution you've made to humanity with respect to the purpose of God for your life. It is a system and it is a spirit that sponsors that system. So Apostle John says, test every, don't believe every, don't believe every spirit. Okay. And likewise for humans, there are people that come and speak again, very, especially in this age of motivation. Okay. In this age of motivation that sponsors a meditation that is not from God. All right, uh, where it says you you can be whatever you want to be, you can you just have to think it and release the power of your thoughts. And it sounds so um um so satisfying to your soul, all right. It sounds so empowering to your soul, but you see, every motivation that removes God from the equation is not of God. Any any motivation that sponsors an independence from God is not of God. And so Paul um, Apostle John says, don't believe every spirit. I mean, spirit um, motivations or whatever philosophy that supports a higher than natural experience, but not leaning on God is not of God. And so Apostle John again says, don't believe every spirit. And um, um, I believe God is bringing this emphasis to us because more than ever before, there's a replication and multiplication of seductive spirits. Or, and and I'm, we're going to read, read this soon. But a multiplication of spirits that are promoting propaganda that is not of God. So you, we have to grow in our discernment. And you can't just believe everything everybody says. And in fact, we have to be all the more careful 
all right because a lot of this is already has already seeped into many christian cycles and many christian um um you know communities and churches and because it's it's fine sounding and it takes extra attention and discernment to discover what is not divine so we have to pay attention and not believe every spirit all right so uh we're reading first john chapter 4 verse 1 it says beloved do not believe every spirit okay and if you are not going to believe every spirit what do you do it says test the spirit i i we can just dwell, dwell on this for today but test it test it the the things you are hearing the the message you are hearing the um experiences you are encountering someone comes to tell you how they may you know i i, I was I, on instagram one of my my one of my favorite rappers i know you might not believe i listen to rap but i listen to of, of course gospel rap alone but yeah i, I that's I tease my, I tell my wife jokingly that my my genre of music is two extremes: worship music and rap. But anyways, one of my favorite you know gospel rappers was he 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 did a video and he said, you know how you put a video of someone and then you I don't know how to do you like you just put half I mean you layer the video on. Anyways, I was making a comment on the video that uh, on the video that he put up by someone you know. The, there was an interview about someone and this person was saying, I, I don't remember the exact words, of course, but he was saying something to the effect that, you know, almost saying like that sleep is for the week. You know, that kind of idea that you have to, when others are sleeping six hours, you sleep four hours, you wake up early, you go on the grind, you do your work. And I mean, this artist was just saying that this, this message is so not of God because it this is a kind of message that promotes all work, 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 and you end up losing the important parts of your life. Lose your connection and relationship with God. You lose your relationship with your family. You lose the important relationships and important things in your life because you are trying to be on your grind. And there's this kind of message that is being propagated, okay? And you find out that most of the people that 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 live by this kind of code of um, conduct they either don't have a healthy, don't have a relationship with God or don't have a healthy relationship with God, number one. Number two, check their families. Most times they do not have strong families or strong marriages. So I'm saying that you have to test the spirit. You can't just take anything anybody says because it motivates you, it gingers you to work. Of course, I'm not in any way supporting laziness, but there's the prosperity that comes from righteousness and that does not compromise the conduct of the spirit of God. Okay, so Apostle uh, John says, test the spirits, whether they are of God. And the reason is because many false prophets have gone into the world. So the reason why we are we have to test all spirits to see if they are of God is because many false prophets have gone into the world. When we talk about the world here, we're not just talking about the physical location alone, all right, in terms of the cosmos, but we're also talking about the dispensations, all right, or the aeons. And these dispensations are not limited to time, to dispensations of time, but also to dispensations of, of economy. Meaning they have, false prophets have gone into the world, into every dispensation of the world, 
into dispensation of business, dispensation of music, dispensation of fashion, dispensation of whatever it is. So there are false prophets that are represented in each of these dispensations. Just as God sends his own true prophets into these areas of the, of the world, into politics, into enter entertainment, into education, into every area of the world, so also the enemy sends false prophets into these areas of the world. And because the enemy sends these false prophets and we are interacting with these you know, areas of the world, these dispensations of the world every day, there is a need for us to, to grow in our discernment. Now, the reason why they are called false prophets is because they look like the true prophets, but they are not. I mean, if... if um. I mean, just using spiritual example, right? If um, a, a, if someone came and you saw them, you know, let me use Nigerian movie, for example, you saw them with their, maybe with with red clothes, red wrapper tied around them with beads around their neck with a stick and something on it that they were shaking like this and then they had marks. If he walked into your office, you don't need the discernment to know that this person is dangerous. You would automatically, you know, stay away from him and send him out. So that is not a false prophet. He's an obvious, maybe witch doctor or something. But when someone dresses, you know, with a nice suit and tie, he speaks good English, his perfume is so great. I mean, you would automatically want to fall in love with him or just accept whatever he says because he has been packaged to look like what you are you what you are used to seeing. Now my point is that false prophets are called false prophets because it takes discernment to decipher them. They are called false prophets because they look like the like the um real prophets. They look like the original and that's why it requires discernment, extra discernment to decipher these kind of people. Okay? So for many false prophets have gone into the world and um this uh, yeah, we'll just stop at verse one because we'll spend more time. So this is just an introduction to why we are looking at this topic, okay? And this is essentially around uh, discernment, around the concept of discernment. And let me say this here, this is one of the most powerful and most important teachings you probably would hear for this day and generation, okay? And I mean this. And stay with me to see why I say this is very important. So, um... Why do we need discernment? Okay, and I'm going to really take this as gradual and as possible to build it up. Why do we need discernment? Uh, in case somebody is asking, why why do we need discernment? I'll give you some reasons. Number one, let's read a Bible, turn our Bibles rather to First Timothy chapter First Timothy chapter four, verse one to three. Why do we need discernment? 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Look at what the Bible says. It says that, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. So the Spirit of God says expressly, with emphasis, He says that in the later times, which we now live in, okay, we now live in the later times, He says that some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So the reason why some people would wander away from the faith 
is because they gave attention attention or they paid attention to deceiving spirits. I don't think that these people intentionally strayed away from the faith, right? They strayed away because they paid attention to deceiving spirits. And when these deceiving spirits came, these people did not know they were deceiving spirits. That's why they paid attention to it. And this shows that um, it's possible for people, you know, the Bible says, that some would depart from the faith, meaning they were once in the faith, but they departed from it. And the reason why they departed from it is because they were they, they fell prey to seducing or deceiving spirits. Um, and that translation, I think the old King James says, seducing, <clears throat> seducing spirits, meaning the spirits enticed them. And then um, they strayed away based on the enticement or the deception of those spirits. And it says, um, you're giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience said with a hot iron. So the spirit seduced them on, up to the point where their conscience no longer, no longer flagged anything in them. You know, maybe initially started off by, ah, are you sure this thing is right? And their conscience was nudging them, but they were like, mm, I don't think there's nothing that looks wrong. Everything looks okay. Maybe it was a let, let me just assume, for instance, it was a it was a guy who is in business and there was an opportunity to make a lot of money. And but you know, somewhere in his conscience, he was like, Ah, this thing they're asking you to do, are you sure is the right thing to do? But he says, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong now. If I'm I just need to give them markup. You know, he uses business. I just need to mark up my profit so that I can also settle them. I mean, it's a win-win situation. And then they followed seducing spirits until the point where their conscience no longer could flag anything. That they could outrightly lie or cheat or steal and then their conscience no longer responded in them. So he says their conscience seared with a hot with a hot iron. Then he says, begins to give example of some of the doctrines that they propagated. Sorry. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So why we discernment is important is because without discernment, we, are, we can fall prey to seducing spirits or we can fall prey to deceiving spirits or deceptive spirits. Okay. And that's why it takes discernment to all right that's why discernment is important because it helps us to identify and resist seducing spirits because you cannot rebuke the devil you have not identified and it is discernment that helps us identify seducing spirits okay um and just to know that these spirits are like like we've said here they are spirits of deception and i'm going to come back to this later on but that's just one reason number two reason is from first corinthians chapter two verse 12 to 14 why is discernment important first corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 to verse 14 why is discernment important look at what the bible says now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from god that we may know the things that have been freely given to us by god so Bible is saying that we have not received the spirit that is of the world, rather we have received the spirit that is from God. Okay, fantastic. So that we can um we can know the things that have been freely given to us by God. 
Then look at verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Then it says, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14 says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. So there's such a man who is called the natural man. And this natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. The natural man is the man who interprets things based on his five senses, based on his natural senses. That is the natural man. Or as the Bible calls in the book of Romans, it calls him the carnal man. Okay. So the natural man is the man who interprets events and experiences and everything based on their five senses. So for instance, a natural man or a natural man, right, would look at a, a lady, let's say he's a single man, he wants to get married. You look at a lady and all that he would make his judgment on is based on what he can see and whatever his natural senses tell him. So he says, oh, this lady is very pretty. He says, yes, I want that the kind of person i want ah she has a very nice shape ah then he, he says yes he says this lady you know she's a working class lady adam ah, she can contribute financially he says yes um this lady you know maybe comes from a rich family he says yes ticks it off and and based on this he says i, I will marry her there is no involvement in spiritual senses there is all his decisions are based on natural permutations and combination he has looked at it and says i looked at I mean, the compatibility to travel abroad, if they apply for visa together, it will boost their points. And so he says, I'm going to marry her. And that is a natural man. Natural men make decisions based on their natural senses. Or maybe a business deal, a lady is looking to increase her business and or she just make, does the assessment based on natural, natural senses. That is a natural man. So he says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit. So there is a limitation in this kind of people that it is impossible for them to receive the things of the spirit because the medium through which they interpret events is so limited that it cannot interpret or even receive the signals that come from the spirit of God because <clears throat> their natural senses exist in a dimension that the, the spiritual uh, information from the spirit of God does not exist in. Okay. Then he says, <clears throat> if you continue, right, he says, for they are foolishness to him. So let, let me start from verse 14 again. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit for their foolishness to him. So when this natural man tries to understand the things of the spirit, it doesn't make sense. You know, have you ever tuned your radio? Your radio, maybe the, the radio in your car. You're, you're, you're tuning it to find the, the, the particular radio station. But in between the free, in between or, or before you get to the frequency of that particular radio station, all you are hearing is something that's like, it doesn't make sense to you. That's what, what the natural man hears when, when the Spirit of God is broadcasting or releasing information or spiritual insight. Then it sounds like to the natural man. You get my point. Because the natural man is on a frequency that is different from the frequency of the spirit. So he cannot understand his foolishness to him. It doesn't make sense. Or like when you are, I mean, back in the days, I mean, now most everybody has cable TV. But back in the days before uh, cable TV was, you know, very popular. And I mean, it still happens to, today, but, you know, just, just that most people already have cable TV. But if you, are, if you are switching between channels, local stations, right? If you are searching for local stations, you see all those black and white dots on your TV that you, you can't make sense out of it. It's not an image. It's not a color. It's not a picture. It's just, it's just there. 
That's what the natural man receives when he try when the spirit of God releases information. It is foolishness to him. And he says, nor can he know them. So the possibility of even knowing them, knowing this, the things of the spirit are completely eliminated. He says, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So the problem is not that there is an absence of spiritual information. The problem is the frequency on which the natural man is operating, that the things of the spirit can only be spiritually discerned. And this is the number two reason why we need discernment. We need discernment so that we can interpret the things of the spirit of God. I'm telling you that without discernment, God can be your neighborhood. God can be your house and you will not know him. And and this is very practical because when Jesus Christ um, resurrected, he there are two disciples that were joining on their way to Emmaus and Jesus Christ joined them. This is Jesus Christ resurrected. He joined them. But these disciples did not know. They just, um, just Christ had them having a conversation and he jo- you know, joined their, 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 their journey and said, ah, what are people talking about? He said, ah, they said to him, haven't you heard of this Jesus Christ? You know, they told the story, ah, he was the Jews, supposed to be king of Jews, all of that, all of that, he died. And they did not know that it was this Jesus that was with them. And this is the same thing happening with a lot of people. That Jesus is in, the, in their lives. Jesus is saying things to them. Jesus is um speaking to them and their spiritual insights and information, God is passing to them, but they cannot, they can't see it. So it is not the absence of Jesus. It is the absence of discernment that is their problem. And until Jesus Christ opened the, the eyes of these, um, opened the minds of these um, disciples, they did not know that he, he was the one. And once their eyes were opened, then discernment, um, then they could rather recognize Jesus Christ. So it takes discernment for us to recognize and in, to, to know, interpret, and understand the things of the Spirit of God. Okay, let me read it the way I put it here. I said it takes discernment to know, interpret, and under, understand the things of God because they can only be spiritually discerned. They can only be spiritually discerned. So it takes discernment. And let me just say here that you need discernment more to understand God than you even need to understand the operations of the devil. Because God is such a vast personality. He moves in such vast ways that he only, he, he, you need him to help you understand him. Do you understand that? All right. So number three reason, why do we need discernment? Let's go to John chapter 10, verse 3 to verse 6. Why do we need discernment? John chapter 10, the gospel of John chapter 10, uh, verse 3 to verse 6. Look at what the Bible says. Um, this is Jesus Christ himself speaking. He says, to him, the doorkeeper opens. Um, hmm. Let me just start from verse 1, actually, so it gives us proper context. Most assuredly, I say to you, John chapter 10, verse 1, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Verse 2, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So the sheep hears his voice and then he leads them out. So the way the sheep follows the leading of the shepherd is by hearing the voice of the shepherd. So leadership 
would be impossible without recognition. You understand that? Or on the part of the ship now, followership, um, or yeah, followership would be impossible without recognition. That's recognizing the voice of, of the shepherd. Verse four says, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. So the only reason the sheep is able to follow the shepherd is because they know the voice of the shepherd. And that's exactly what discernment is. Discernment is the ability to know the voice of God. And it is with discernment that we know the voice of God. And it is only by knowing the voice of God that we're able to follow the leading of God. Because the primary way God leads us is by his voice. Okay. Um, and then he says, verse 5 says, Yet they will by no means follow a stranger but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of a stranger. So they don't recognize or nor honor the voice of the stranger um, because they know the voice of their master. So it takes discernment to, uh, it takes discernment to understand and recognize the voice of, of, of the master. Okay. And that's what discernment does. It with, without discernment, it will be impossible <coughs> Excuse me, without discernment, it will be impossible to recognize the voice of God. All right, just give me a minute. Let me write something. Hmm. Okay. <clears throat> so the number three reason why we need discernment is so that we are able to follow God. Okay. And then final reason, number four, is taken from Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter six. All right. And uh, this is the script verse of scripture will come will come to again, but let's read it um right away. Ephesians chapter six, verse. Um let us start from verse <clears throat> verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I want to put an emphasis on the word wiles because um, that's like an old English word. And what it essentially means is this, the, the tricks or the trickery of the devil, um, the, the deception of the devil, the strategy of the devil. That's what the Bible says. <clears throat> so it says we should put on the whole armor of God so that we're able to stand against the deception of the devil. And the, one of the reasons why we need discernment is so that we can stand against deception. Do you understand that? And it says against the deception of the enemy, the, the wiles of the enemy, the tricks of the enemy. And so we need discernment so that we can stand against the deception of the devil. And it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Um, you know, you know the rest of the verse um, of the passage. So that's the fourth reason we need discernment so that we can stand against deception and it's interesting that the whole armor of god the bible says is so that we can stand against the deception of the devil what this means is that if the devil cannot deceive you he cannot defeat you and that's why his first arsenal against the believer is the arsenal of deception because he knows that if he can deceive the believer then he can defeat the believer but if the devil cannot deceive you then he cannot defeat you he cannot defeat the believer on the basis of brute force 
Because when if it is just a power play, then we have God has given just Christ says all authority and power has been given unto him. All right. So if it's just based on brute strength, he can't defeat the believer. He has to deceive the believer so that there's a loophole in the believer's armor, and then he can he can attack. So deception is required before the enemy defeats us. And what this means is if we can stand against his deception, then we can stand against, we can never be defeated essentially. Okay. So these are four reasons why we need um, discernment. All right. Um, I, I know I've been speaking for 40 something minutes now. So I want to first check in with us and know if we're following so far. And if, if, if this journey and the progression has been clear so far. So what you do for me is drop in the comment section right now. If you are following something that you have picked from, you know, where, whenever you join the call or however long you've been, you've been with us. So take a, a, a 30 seconds break in transmission and just take uh, comments, you know, drop in the chat, something that you've picked so far from what you've heard up on this, for this point, before we move into this, into defining uh, discernment. Okay. Uh, so yeah, drop in the chat. Let me see you. One thing you have picked so far um, on this, our journey as we have progressed. Okay. Let me see. Let me see your, your comments. Please drop that. Um, I mean, drop it in the chat. <clears throat> drop it in the chat. Let me see you. Let me see you. Let me see your comments, please. I am waiting for it. Mm. Let me see you. I'm waiting for it. Okay. Um, both on Mixeller and on Zoom, I am, you know, looking out for your comments. I would just want to know if you are following me so far. All right, while you're doing that, let me just take a bottle of a, a gulp of water and we would continue our journey. <clears throat> okay, thank you, Sister Joy. I see your comment. Say, um, discernment is needed to de detect the lies and disguises of the devil. Yes, amazing. Discernment is needed to detect the lies and disguises of the devil. Thank you very much. Um, Cecil on MixLR says, test the spirit behind everything. Amazing. Yeah, test the spirit behind everything. Um, uh, Esther on, on Zoom says, uh, so glad I joined, I could join today after many weeks. <laughs> yeah. The devil first deceives and takes advantage of our ignorance. Fantastic. All right, great. So I, I am, I'm convinced that we are all following. Okay. So we can proceed. Now I want to attempt to define what discernment is because we've used the word discernment, you know, several times, uh, so far, uh, but I want to attempt to define what discernment is so this is not a a uh there's a this is not an exhaustive definition but this definition will give context to uh to the use of the word discernment in our study all right so what is discernment discernment is the spiritual ability to one differentiate the spirit of god and his operations from the spirit of the devil and his operations okay so i'm going to take that again 
Discernment is the spiritual ability to, number one, differentiate the spirit of God and his operations from the spirit of the devil and his operations. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to explain that with a verse of scripture, but let me finish the definition. Number two is to differentiate truth from lie. Okay, so um, discernment is the spiritual ability to one differentiate the spirit of God and His operations from the spirit of the enemy, uh, from the spirit of the devil and His operations, and then number two to differentiate truth from lie. Okay, so let me explain this my definition, and uh, we might stop here for today, but and, and then maybe you know continue next next week. And just let me give you snippets. Yeah, you know, let me you know there's what called movie trailer. Let me give you snippets of next week. We want to look at three layers of discernment or three three tests of discernment next week. But but let's wrap up today on just defining discernment from scripture. Okay, so I said um, discernment is the spiritual ability to differentiate between the spirit of God and his operations uh, from the spirit of the devil and his operations. And look at an interesting verse of scripture. um, John chapter 8, verse 44. John chapter 8, verse 44. Uh, The gospel of John chapter 8, verse 44. And Jesus Christ was speaking to, was speaking to the Pharisees. And these are people that are, I mean, were custodians of of the laws, of the law rather, which was of the law and prophets, you know, which was, if you're in those days, that's what you, you refer to as the Bible, okay? Uh, so it's, it's I mean, it's a bit interesting to see the way Jesus Christ referred to them. Uh, even though these people, you know, were well-respected in, in religious and political cycles, at, uh, circles rather, at that point in time. But look at what he says in John 8, verse 44. He says, you are of your father, the devil. He was talking to the Pharisees and, and, and the rulers of the law. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He now says he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, <laughs> for he is a liar and the father of it. There's just so much to unpack here. So first of all, he says that, talking to the Pharisees, he says, you are of your father, the devil. Hmm. I'm going to come back to the word of, but let me go back to the end, to go to the end of this scripture. He says, just Christ says, concerning the devil, that when he speaks, he speaks from his own resources. It's interesting <clears throat> how the Bible puts it, that whenever he speaks a lie, the devil speaks of his own accord. You know, for the most part, we know that the devil doesn't, is not didn't create anything he just loves to counterfeit what god has created but when it comes to this particular one particular matter of lie jesus christ said this lie and uh, it was or it originated from the devil is not a counterfeit of anything Mm-mm. it's an it's an original product of the devil whereas we know that um uh, for instance, divination is a counterfeit of prophecy. We know that witchcraft is a counterfeit of the power of God. We know that the enemy loves to counterfeit things. You know, he doesn't, he's not an original being. He lo- just loves to counterfeit things. But when it comes to the issue of lie, Jesus Christ said, this one, 
It's not a can he didn't counterfeit anything. He he originated it by himself. And look at what the Bible says that when he speaks, he says there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. <laughs> it is really interesting to me. He says, for he's a liar and the father of it. So anybody that travels on the path of lie is sponsored by the devil himself. Okay. And so Je Jesus Christ was telling the, the Pharisees that you are of your father, the devil. And it's so interesting because if you look at the content of what the Pharisees were saying, it doesn't sound like a lie in the traditional sense we understand a lie, in traditional sense of what we understand a lie to mean. You know, because if I if if I um I have a mouse here, okay, uh, this mouse is black in color. If I come and tell you that this mouse is white, you clearly tell me it's a lie. I'm lying, you are lying, all right? And that's very easy because based on the facts, it is a lie. But what the Pharisees were were promoting the ideology that the Pharisees were were passing across, it didn't seem like a, a contrast and a contradiction to what was written because, they, in fact, they you could use the word of God to support their argument. But Jesus Christ looked at them and said, you are of your father, the devil. You are a liar just like your father. And this makes us to question what the definition of a lie is. And also, in the same way, we now have to ask ourselves, what then is the definition of truth? Okay, um, because I've started this, let me let me let me not leave us hanging in this regard. But you know, when the Bible says, when you go to Genesis, the Bible says that um, uh, in Genesis chapter three, the serpent came to Eve and said to her, you know, did God say you must not eat of this of this tree? And Eve said, oh yes, that God said we should not eat of this tree, if not we'll die. And the devil came and said. Oh, no, that you will not die. You, you will not die. That God knows that if you eat of this fruit, you will want to be like God. Okay? And you'll be like, like, like him. You know good and evil. And that's why he doesn't want you to, to enjoy this thing. And the woman eventually ate it, right? And so what the serpent said is, when you eat it, you will not die. You, you will not surely die. But your eyes will be open. You become like the gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman ate the fruit... The question is, did she die? I mean, in the sense of cessation of life, no, she did not die. She didn't fall down and stop to exist, okay? And actually, her eyes were open to no good and evil. So my question is, did the devil lie? I mean, if we if we go by the understanding of what, what a lie is, going by this story, it doesn't seem like the devil lied. So now we have to ask ourselves, what is a lie? What really is a lie? And just to help you understanding, and, and this will also tie into the definition of truth as well, um, because you, you define a lie by what a truth is or by what the truth is not, okay? So what is a truth? A truth is any experience that originates from God. And then what is a lie? A lie is any experience that is found outside of God. So even though the experience is valid, it can still be a lie because it does not originate from God. Hmm? Do you understand that? Um, and it, the truth, obviously, is what is any experience that originates from God. So you can see that by this definition, we measure an experience by the origin, not by the event. Now, this brings me to what I want to explain to us from this um, John chapter 44. Look at what Jesus Christ said. He said to the Pharisees, he says, you are, you are of your father, the devil. There's a very 
little word that can easily be ignored, but I want to highlight. It is the word of. When it says you are of your father, the devil, the word of, uh, we have to do a little bit of uh, etymology, okay, to investigate the linguistic origin of that word. In the Greek, the word of there is ek. It's just a very short word, ek, all right? But this is what it means. I, I wrote it down so that I would I would be able to read it out verbatim. The word ek is a preposition denoting origin, the point whence a motion or an action proceeds from. So the word denotes origin. And this is very important when it comes to discernment because like you can see from a definition of truth and lie, it is not measured by the validity of an experience. It is measured by the source of that experience. So even though, yes, this, um, these two people in the garden, Adam and Eve, ate of the fruit and their eyes were open to understand um, good and evil and they did not drop down and die, even though that experience was valid, but it was con it is considered a lie from God's standpoint because of the origin of that experience. So this is what Jesus Christ was saying that when he says you are of your father, he was saying that you originate or the actions, the ideology, the, the, the philosophy you are propagating is of your father, the devil. Then Jesus Christ begins to say that the devil is a liar. So you now understand his own interpretation of a lie. Any ideology or philosophy or experience that originates outside of God is considered a lie. So when the Pharisees were promoting a philosophy or promoting a doctrine that did not originate from God, even though they used scriptures to support that doctrine, the devil, um, Jesus Christ rather looked at them and said, you are of the devil. This ideology originates from the devil, so it is termed a lie, even though you might have whatever resources to back it up, okay? So that word ek is what I want to spotlight, and I want to read the meaning again. It is a preposition denoting origin. And when we come to discernment, you cannot despise origin. You know, in the world, they may, they may say, oh, the end justifies the means. No, it is not true spiritually because you must trace things to its origin. So the word ek is a preposition denoting origin. The point whence a motion or action proceeds from. So the origin is as important as the results. So we don't just trust results. We trust the origin the results came from. The fact that someone is giving word of knowledge or giving prophecy or is, is doing some miraculous sign is not what will make us believe. We have to trace where those signs come from, where it originates from, because it is from origin that we decide if, a, if an experience is truth or lie. And so you see my where I got my definition of discernment, the ability one to differentiate the spirit of God and his operations from the spirit of the devil and his operations. And then number two, the ability to differentiate truth from lie. So now you understand what I mean by truth and lie. So it's not a statement of fact, you know, because um, the, the devil comes and tells very, in fact, the, the devil, the lies that the devil tell looks so much like the truth and that's why you need discernment because by natural um an analysis you would you would yield to it you just take it straight away but you need discernment to differentiate truth from lie okay um so that is what discernment means 
And I'm going to I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stop here because uh, if I start now, I I would I don't want to leave us hanging. But the next thing we're going to look at is three layers of tests. You know, we go, if we go back to our anchor scripture, which is First Thessalonians chapter five verse twenty one. The Bible says, "Test all things, hold on to that which is good." Um, yeah, test all things, all things, and hold on to that which is good. Uh, the, the the verse says, "Test all things." So the question you would want to ask as a very intelligent student that you are is how do I test all things? So I want to show us three tests that you can apply to anything, whether it is a person, it is a message, it is an institution or a system. You can apply these three tests and it will help you identify what is truth and what is lie, what originates from God and what originates from the devil. Okay, but we'll look, look at this next week. Maybe, maybe I should tease you a little further. In it, maybe I should tease you with these three things. Okay, let, let, let me tell let me tell let me tell the three things. Okay, we'll, we'll look at them in depth next week. But three things, three tests I call them. Number one, the word test that is the test by the word of God. Number two, the fruits or the character test, meaning the test that measures the character or the fruit of that of that person or that system or whatever it is. Then number three, the life or the spirit test. Okay. So I'll explain. I'll start explaining all of this uh, from next week. All right. So I think this is a good place for us to stop, and this is exactly one minute to eight. Fantastic. Um. Yeah. So I do hope we've been blessed. I know I've asked us to uh, drop in the comments something we've learned, but I also now want to ask us. Um. Also want to ask us. Yeah. Thanks, Sister Joy. I saw. I see your comment. Thanks for joining us today. I also want to ask us if we do have any questions from what I've, what we've shared so far. Do we have any question? Uh, let me take that before we, we close for today. Any question at all, please, from something I said, um, or maybe it's not something I said, but pertaining what we have looked at so far. Do we have any questions? I would love to uh, entertain them, uh, entertain them right away. All right. Any questions, please do let me know. Do let me know. Let me know. Let me know. Okay. I'm looking at for your questions, please. <clears throat> um, From, I mean, just as you're thinking of your questions, let me recap. We we started off by the, the text, by our anchor text, First Thessalonians 5, verse 21, really. And then we looked at First John chapter 4, verse 1. And then we also moved on to talk about why discernment is important. And we gave four reasons, okay? We said, um, one, because they are seducing spirits. They are deceiving spirits that are gone out into the world. Number two is that it takes discernment to know, interpret, and understand the things of God. And uh, number three, we said it takes discernment to follow God because you have to recognize the voice of God before you can follow the voice of God. So it takes discernment to do that. Number four, we said it takes discernment to stand against the deception of the devil or the wiles of the devil. All right. Um, and then we went on to discern, to dis, to define rather what discernment is. So please, any questions from this? Any questions uh, before we go? Um, okay. Okay. Someone asked me, um, is asking, how do we get the spirit of discernment? Okay, so this is a very interesting 
question because the way it is it is phrased um introduces another dimension okay and i'm going to explain answer this in 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 two ways so the question is how do we get the spirit of discernment um hmm, this is tempting me to to borrow some thoughts from next week's study but first and foremost their their discernment on two on on two uh let me say on two uh two levels for lack of a better word or two faces there is the discernment that is available to every believer and then there is you know the gift of discernment okay um now the the gift of discernment is sponsored by the spirit of discernment all right which of course is the same holy spirit but just because we're talking about a specific or unique experience uh so I, i'm making this differentiation however every single believer can make can can uh can discern has the ability to discern even without the operation of the gift of discernment it's just the same way every believer can prophesy even without the operation of the gift of prophecy or the same way every believer can speak in tongues and then there's the gift of speaking in tongues okay so the difference in these two experiences one is the gift of discernment is a heightened um specific heightened continuous experience of discernment all right uh which is used to serve the body of christ whereas the discernment that every believer is exposed to is for their personal personal journey or personal uh personal work with god okay just the same way in your own personal life you can prophesy but when we now comes to the gift of prophecy it is to serve the body of christ so and, and just by a a good way to differentiate um, the the personal experience and the experience of the gift is that the gift is to serve the body of Christ. The Bible says that um, um, how do you say it in First Corinthians uh, twelve verse eight? It says the the gift of the Spirit is given to is given is given so that all can profit with her. Meaning that the purpose of the gift is given for the general profiting of the body of Christ. So when the gift is in operation, it serves the body. When it is a personal experience, it serves your personal life, okay? Uh, so just to say that every believer can discern without, without necessarily a special impartation of the gift of discernment or a special impartation of the spirit of discernment, which is really why this whole study is, is, uh, is set up so that you can understand and you can um, you can know how to discern in your own personal life. And why I'm making this differentiation is so that nobody thinks they need to wait for an impartation of the spirit of discernment. I'm saying the spirit within you, the Bible says that the spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. That in itself is discernment when the spirit of God witnesses with your spirit. Okay. And this is what we're going to look at uh, next week. All right. And yeah, we'll look at these things. Okay. Um, sister Esther puts in the chat and, you know, in answer to this question by training one spirit, reading the word of God, praying and reading and listening to godly literature. That's how you grow your spirit to descend. Fantastic. Uh, like I said, we're already beginning to, to, to pull it from next week. Uh, the things that we want to look into. All right. So, uh, stay with us, come next week and you'll see you have a, a holistic, uh, in-depth answer to your question. All right. I hope that helps you. Okay. Yes, it does. Thank you. All right. Um, no questions. Any, I don't see any other questions. So I'm going to take this 
that you are all following and you are together. Okay, so before we go, still, if there's something you learned that you, you want to share with us, I mean, we never say no to things like this, right? So please drop it in the comment section. Um, and those, for those of you on YouTube, please drop it in the chat, yeah, in the comments in, in YouTube. I would personally take a look at them and respond. I would absolutely love to uh, love to see your comments, all right? So let us close with a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you because by your spirit, we grow in our discernment. We thank you because uh, in these days, you are equipping us to better discern the operations of your spirit so that we're able to differentiate what is from you and what is not from you. We receive insight into what we've heard today. We declare that your spirit expands this truth in our consciousness and we walk in the reality of what has been made available to us by grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen, amen. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining in today. God bless you. So we continue next week, same time, uh, same platform, wherever you're joining us from. And like I love to encourage, please invite someone. If you're watching this on YouTube or on our podcast, uh, share the link with a friend. Send it. If it has blessed you, just share it with someone. You never know who would really need to hear this at the moment. All right. Uh, so God bless you all. And... Um, See you next week. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. See you next week. God bless you.